about. Okay, so OBS is like how you get to Twitch. So if it live streams on Twitch, nice shot. I'm gonna put that on my notes. What is it? OB what? OBS. So it's open broadcast software. So for streaming on Twitch, okay. Essentially, will connect you so you can stream like live on your Twitch page. I thought about Twitch from from the basketball training perspective, but I didn't think it would work out. I mean, I think that there's just so many. That's kind of you know, just the right kid is using it. So uh-huh. like, and I don't think much of that stuff exists there. Uh, basketball stuff, yeah, yeah, no. like just training. To, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of it's on YouTube, obviously. Right. But, you know, this platform is obviously really big too, and it's like. So I'm guessing Twitch is basically you can see what I'm doing, like an IG live type of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. Essentially, it's like yeah, you can connect it so that whatever you're doing on your monitor, or you can you know PlayStation, you can direct it right through like through the PlayStation online, where it'll just whatever you're playing on your screen will just be live stream on Twitch. So I didn't. That's, I think that's quite amazing. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's like a, it's a whole new world where, like, you legitimately press stream and, like, you're out there to everyone. And it's just like, anyone can tune in and, you know, these big streamers have hundreds of thousands of people watching. I know. Some guy made, like, a million dollars or something. Who's that guy that made, like, a zillion dollars? Ninja. 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 Yeah. Ninjas. So I got to keep the people young around. Yeah. You know what's going on. Yeah, Ninja definitely was really great for esports. It brought it right to mainstream. You know, exactly. Right? We're talking about Ninja and Drake. And it's like, I remember that next day, like, my mom and, like, her friends were talking about, oh, what's this Fortnite thing? I'm like, that's what I've been doing for the last three years. This really? Game, yeah, I've, I've been doing esports for probably, like, the last, you know, three years now. Because I've, you know, kind of really identified that as a unique area to expand into. And noticed there really weren't that many people, you know, professionals especially. Right that knew what they were doing that were involved in it. So I kind of saw, like, a, a nice area to kind of come in and make it my own. Yeah, that's smart. Are you, are you, are you on, like, the, the, the front end of the cusp as far as... Yeah, I mean, there's probably about three or four other people that I would say, like, they're the dudes. Mm-hmm. So, like, you yeah. know, but they're, like, my age. So it's, right. like, it's not, like, in the music or sports world where the people that are, like, my dad and older right, have been right. doing this for 30... Plus old people, right? Yeah, like, uh-huh. it's like, you've been doing this for 30, 40 years. Obviously, you're going to have Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson right, right, right. and Maroon 5 and uh-huh. all these megastars. But because, you know, esports in itself is so new, right. the professionals around it are, you know, like, my dad, you know, has been a lawyer for 30 years, isn't going to learn <laughs> about esports and games. It's just not going to be part of that's not his stick. Exactly. Whereas, <laughs> you know, me, who's kind of gained and is involved in it, it, it just makes sense because, like you said, we're the youth. Like, we're more, much more in touch with what's going on and what games people are playing. Yes. Yeah, you know. We're old now. And the practice. Yeah. But you need that, too. Like, I, I see the value in, you know, someone who kind of has that, you know, fatherly kind of, <laughs> like, when they like when they get on the phone, it's like, okay, this is business time. Uh-huh. And my client's like, oh, I have to go to the principal now. <laughs> they yeah, equated. Like, okay. You're like, in trouble. Exactly. Like, you're not listening to me. Let me get someone else in here. All right. I guess we can officially start now. I don't know if you guys have been really filming the whole time. It's a beer. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I'm Mark Williams, and we're here with the Mecca Podcast, and we're doing something different for you guys today. Uh, we're going to go non-traditional quote-unquote and we're going to hit attack the esports world so i reached out a couple people reached out to a couple people 
and they came up with the guy I need to hit up, uh, Justin Jacobson. And we're here in Manhattan, uh, across from the um, Empire State Building in one of these fancy, fancy offices. And we're going to talk about esports, its impact, and um, what kind of um, impact it's having on the, um, social, the, the ecosystem within basketball sports as a whole. Um, so thank you and welcome to our podcast. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm very excited to be able to talk about this stuff. Yeah, because not so many people, and I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to use traditional and non-traditional phrases, because um, I'm a traditional basketball guy, um, and I'm guessing most of the people that are in the um, esports maybe try to play basketball, but they have they, they find, find their niche in the esports world. Um, and we don't know nothing about each other. <laughs> like, I, I want to bridge the gap, not that I can, but tell me what makes esports so unique and, and like a, a big-time business that, as it is right now. I mean, so esports is just professional video gaming. It's, you know, individuals competing against other ones, whether they're part of a team or just by themselves. You know, games like Overwatch, Fortnite, League of Legends, Call of Duty. And, you know, these gamers now are, at the professional level where some of them are earning millions of dollars and some are hundreds of thousands of dollars from salaries and prize pools and such. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's kind of this kind of social stigma and perception about, you know, gamers as, you know, these guys are sitting in their basement playing World of Warcraft. Right. You know, the popular South Park episode Mm -hmm. that kind of gives it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That kind of gives everyone their impression. But really... Nowadays, at this top level, these players have professional trainers, they have nutritionists, they have mental coaches, you know, they have actual player coaches and analysts that review game footage, look at the data, and really kind of help them, right. which is what you know traditional athletes have. Right. I've seen it, i watched a documentary, and they actually highlighted that, that they have mental coaches, nutritionists, and they just basically are, are, are guys... I guess the teams are in a home together and they just working out playing throughout the whole day. Yeah. That can be like, do they get like carpal tunnel um, um, injuries and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, with your wrist, your eyes. So a lot of it's, you know, your finger movement, your dexterity, mm-hmm. you know, how quick you are to respond. And interesting enough, esports um, was a feature on ESPN Sports Science where they actually sat down and rated one of these League of Legends players, mm-hmm. Pole Belt, there to kind of learn how his quickness and precision and they kind of noticed that he had a really high rate of ocular movement you know how quickly he's able to scan the computer screen and react to what's going on and Mm -hmm. you know that's something that's you know pretty similar to say you know professional quarterback in the nfl that needs to quickly scan the field see who's open see where the linebacker is coming and this all happens in the instant right and you know that instant between being able to identify something and not is the difference between you completing a pass or not, or right. you getting a kill in the game or not. Right. You know, and realistically, these guys, their schedule, they're playing from, you know, 8 to 10 hours a day. And when they're boot camping, you know, getting ready for a big tournament or league, they're doing even longer, where they wake up, you know, have breakfast, game till lunch, have lunch, game till dinner, yeah. have dinner, game till sleep, and then just repeat. And it, you know, like you said, there's a lot of wear and tear from these stress repetitive injuries and while you might not blood a knee playing game if you know you dislocate a thumb or you just you know start having pain in your wrists or some people have problems with their retinas from staring at the screen Uh for so many hours and that can really impact you now you mentioned a a game that kind of went mainstream that got outside of um, the esports ecosystem and that was Fortnite that that became like part of 
the, pop, the, culture. the pop culture. What made Fortnite so different, and how, and, and then how did that impact it, the ecosystem, and did it bridge the gap between the two? I mean, Fortnite was kind of a godsend to what was going on. It really kind of brought the game and the gaming community to front and center. Mm-hmm. For those who didn't know, um, Ninja, who's a pretty popular gamer, ended up streaming with Drake and Juju Smith-Suster, and I think Travis Scott, and they all ended up just playing Fortnite for hours and ended up being the largest Twitch stream ever. And then the next day, every news outlet was reporting on, you know, Drake playing with Ninja and who's this Ninja guy. and You know, you have parents and grandparents seeing it on the news because this was like, you know, a cutting-edge thing that, like, the whole mainstream media is, like, waking up to this esports thing. And, you know, I think that a really nice thing that it did was it really kind of helped validate some of the investments that some of these traditional sports business guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you touch upon that? Because I know that Mark Cuban, is, a, is a, he's always been a front person as far as technology is concerned. It, he's, he's actually invested a lot into that, into esports, and particularly the basketball compo- uh, component. Can you touch upon that real quick? Yeah, so, you know, Mark Cuban, as you mentioned, is an investor in Unicron, which is a esports betting site, as well as he has Mavs Gaming, which is part of the NBA 2K League. We're going to get to that. Yeah, so in addition, you know, some of his other colleagues, like, you know, the Crunky family who own the Rams and the Nuggets, Mm -hmm. the Wilpons who own the Mets, the Crafts that own Patriots, you know, the Lakeham family who own the Warriors, they all have you know, invested in esports. Mm-hmm. Like the Warriors, they own the Golden Guardians, which is a League of Legend team. The Bucks co-owner owns his own League of Legend team, right. and you know the Patriots owner has an Overwatch League team. So these guys have invested, you know, millions, if not you know, fifty million dollars to build these programs mm-hmm. and to be involved in these leagues. Now, approximately three years ago, something happened that was tremendous as far as esports is concerned. Um, you guys partnered, and I say you guys because um, you're representing a lot of people that's involved in the esports world. Um, partnered with the NBA, um, and that this is the first time the New York team actually won something <laughs> in the last two billion years. Can you tell me a little bit about or tell our list of watchers and listeners about exactly what happened three years ago? So yeah, so pretty much the NBA and Take Two Interactive, mm-hmm. which is the developer for their NBA 2K video game entered into a partnership to create the NBA 2K League. And what this is, is, you know, exactly what it sounds like. It's a league where right now there are 23 teams, 22 of them are affiliated with NBA franchises. Who's the one that's not? Um, So recently this year, a Shanghai team that's run by Gen G, which is a very well-known esports organization that Will Smith is an investor in, is going to be having the first international team. So they're going to be having a Shanghai team, but they're going to be this season housed in L.A. Uh-huh. And then supposedly next season, you know, there may be some China hometowns. Uh-huh. So this league is a five-on-five live in-studio experience where each individual person is controlling a different player. One person's the point guard, one person's the center, and you're playing live against another team. And what's nice is that, you know, these gamers all live in market, so if you're on the Lakers, you live in L.A. and you fly to New York to play. And, you know, oh, so they travel like a real yeah, team. Yeah, so they're like the Miami team is in Miami during the week and then fly up to New York for the games on the weekends. And, you know, recently they've been doing a few different tournaments. You know, they won in Vegas, one in Orlando, but most of the games happen here in New York. 
And how many how many months is the season? Is it a full season? So it's pretty much about like a half year, six month thing. And mm-hmm. you know they make anywhere between you know thirty five to thirty seven thousand dollars as a base, plus incentives for prize money and health insurance and four hundred one k. Let's not leave that because that upset the the basketball world. Because they're making more money than the G League, than the G League and the WNBA. Some of the WNBA players. Uh, what was what was the, the backlash on on, on the salary? I mean, yeah, I def- there definitely was some public outrage when they announced the first season salary. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it all kind of comes down to economics. If you and the G League, you the WNBA, are only generating or you know losing because we know that most of those teams don't really generate money. Versus something that actually is making money or, you know, you get these league-wide sponsorships, you get these team-wide sponsorships. Right. So yeah. if, if you're able to budget that you feel comfortable paying this amount to, you know, 110 players or whatever it is, that, you that, know, like... It makes sense. That's business, you <laughs> right, know, right, like, right. and, you know, what's nice about the NBA 2K League is that everything streamed on Twitch, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the NBA is actually further expanded their reach with Twitch. They have G League games televised on it, and they're also going to be having some USA men's you know, national the basketball national, yeah, and yeah. some of the women's national basketball team. Now, do you think that that's going to, obviously you mentioned it, it, it helped the NBA branch off into a different market. Is that going to further advance NBA basketball into different uh, countries as far as China, Japan, Korea, Asia, wherever, all of Asia? Yeah, I mean, I think that the fact that you can just get it instantly on demand from anywhere on your computer or your smartphone will really kind of make it more accessible. Uh-huh. And, you know, while I don't think Twitch is available in China, Tencent, which is a huge Chinese, you know, entertainment right, conglomerate, right. probably has some streaming deal. I know they entered into a deal with the NBA 2K League to televise their games. So there's definitely ways that. Twitch can be used to bridge into these other countries. There's no other way other than Twitch to watch these games? Um, so right now, the 2K League is on Twitch, and then Season 2 they added to YouTube. So you can watch live? the game yeah, live on YouTube or on Twitch. Okay. That's kind, of, that's kind of dope. Yeah, you know, it definitely was meant to kind of grasp the market of the people that are just watching on YouTube right. and then people that are watching on Twitch. Now, Twitch is a relatively new phenomenon also. How did that blast off? Um, well, Twitch is owned by Amazon. So, you know, when you have a company like that, it really helps amplify everything that you're doing. And what Twitch is, is it's a live streaming platform where you can literally have an account and connect it to your computer or to your gaming system and stream what you're playing, what's on your screen. And, you know, you, Twitch is primarily video games, but there's also, you know, in real life streams where people are painting or writing a song or DJing live or just answering questions from the chat. So it's really evolved into this platform where any influencer or any individual can really use it to interact with the world, interact with their fans. Now, what's what's your role? Because you mentioned that you're representing, um, as a lawyer, you're representing a couple of people with involved in the esports world. How's that been going for you as far as breaking down boundaries and also um, barriers that's established within the regular ecosystem? I mean, it's definitely, you know, been a a struggle. It's definitely been a lot of work trying to really explain to 
especially the professional gamers, most of them are pretty young, uh-huh. pretty inexperienced, especially you know in the career and business world. Right. So to be able to explain to them, yeah, there's you do need someone maybe to look over your contract, someone who's in your corner that understands the business, understands you know tax implications, and you know all these other things that go into essentially being a businessman. Right. You know, you go from playing in your basement or playing for these little tournaments online uh-huh. to for being. Fun. Yeah, or no, it could be for a little bit of money to being flown into New York every week on behalf of the Miami Heat and playing for, you know, six-figure prize pools. Like, the champions of the 2K League, they doubled their money. Pretty sure they each make 35 k for winning it. Uh-huh. So it's like you get your 35 k salary, and then for winning the championship, you get another 35 k wow. So, you know, some of these kids made near six figures depending on how well their team did in these tournaments. And you would help them navigate through the whole process yeah. as far as sponsor, uh, sponsorship, um, um, contract contracts. review, you know, making sure if they're a foreign citizen to get visas mm-hmm. to come over to play here. And really just kind of any legal or business matter that they need. Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, astounding because, we, again, from the traditional basketball world, like, we, like this is all new. This is like completely new. But like, it's a no-brainer to have like agents and attorneys. Like, oh, what? Like, yeah. since they're ten years old, agents have been recruiting most of these basketball. And where players. do they find them? The, the, the game. I mean, a lot of it is like from like the ranking ladders and just a lot of my best clients are kind of from referrals of other players. Uh-huh. You know, whether you're meeting them out somewhere or you know someone else they know in the industry refers to you know like different writers, right? And, bloggers and just different people that work for say a team you know they say hey you should probably get a lawyer to look over this 30 page contract uh-huh. yeah you know little, right little, you're little like big. obviously <laughs> a little bigger than mom and dad but you know it it's not that common or obvious to a lot of these kids and you know sometimes the cost up front might seem prohibitive but in the long term if you don't do things properly or you sign something that maybe you don't fully understand it you could really jam yourself up. Right, right, right. Now, I know that um, they're selling, and people are getting sponsorship deals for shirts, merch, um, shirts is a hoodie, but uh, um, um, clothing, chairs, and all type of apparel. Is that something that you would obviously help them in? Yeah, so, you know, in addition, trying to find different brand partnerships and sponsorships. And what's really nice is, you know, as esports continue to get mainstream, you have a bunch of professional athletes actually investing in teams, you know, heavyweights like Magic Johnson and Shaq and Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant and Curry and, you know, these blue chip top level athletes, Odell Beckham Jr. And it's kind of led to brands that are just within the gaming space wanting to work with professional athletes that are authentic. Right. And game for their love. Right. Like, you know, everyone knows Juju Smith-Suster, so he got a deal with HyperX, which is a really popular headset company. And they also have Joel Embiid and Gordon Hayward as ambassadors. So what, do they make their own headsets? And is the Juju's signature line? There might be. And just more of a, like, you know, hey, I'm a HyperX guy. Take a picture in it. And, you know, more of a way to just kind of, expose the brand to their fan. Because mm-hmm. if you're a basketball fan, what do you know about gaming headsets? Probably not that much. But if you see Joel Embiid and Gordon Hayward like, and, and people you know wearing right. it, that's probably what you're going to go when you right. see in the store. Right, definitely. And again, that's bridging the gap between the, the um, traditional basketball and the, and, the, and the non-traditional. 
And I think that that's big, and that's why it's important to have you on this podcast because everything centers here in New York. Not everything, but for the most well, part. Well, I consider the center of the world. But yeah, but for the most <laughs> part, New York is like, like, can you consider New York the mecca of esports, basketball-wise? I mean, I would say that probably L.A. is the north of is like in the U.S. where esports is primarily, you know, that's where a lot of the oh, developers the are. Valley yeah, exactly. So a lot of the, you know, the blizzards and the riots and all the people that actually make the games are over there. So a lot of the infrastructure is there. But in terms of the entertainment industry in general, I do feel that New York is the only place where you have music, sports, fashion, art, all, one, all kind of working right. off of each other. And, you know, you can never go to fashion week and not see musicians and athletes. Right. Same way you can't go to, you know, a record lease party and not see athletes and fashion designers. So it's like, in New York, everyone that's in this creative world kind of interacts and works off each other. So we're going to call it the Mecca. I'm there. <laughs> I mean, I'm a New Yorker born and bred, so you got no arguments I mean, here. New York is the mecca as far as esports is concerned, particularly basketball, particularly because the East Coast mecca of esports. They, I like that Chicago being you know the, the divider. Yeah. Yes, um, East Coast will take it. The first year, the inaugural year, who won the championship? See what I'm saying? So I was proud to say that the Knicks gaming squad won season one of the NBA 2K League. And a nice side note, um, Jerry Ferrara. Favorite entourage and power actor is actually the head scout for the Knicks gaming. So he was at a lot of the games. Like when they won the finals, he was going crazy. Like he was having just such a great time. What what do you mean scout? Like he goes and watches the kids? Yeah, like he was scouting the players that they were drafting and interviewing them and being part of the whole draft process. Wow. (laughs) I know. At first I thought he was going to be a figurehead. Yeah. But then more I talked to him and. I saw that he had a real passion for it and, like, knew all the kids and knew their games and, like, you know, really was taking it seriously. Did you ask him anything about power and how he got shot up? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, at that point, that was, he was still... Uh, he was still important. Yeah, yeah, he was still, you know, Proctor being, he's a, lawyer. being a lawyer. He's a queen. He's a New York guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's New York, but I think he's based out of California. Is he not? Yeah, he sold out. Went out to the West Coast. I mean, you know, if you're in TVs and movie. It, you got to kind of be out there. Exactly. Now, what's next as far as esports work, but the basketball component more so? Because you're entering, what, the year three? Yeah, this is about to be the third year of 2K League. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is to see how, you know, the international angle flows. Is the Shanghai team and Gen G going to be able to tap into the market? Like, I know there's like 26 million NBA 2K users in China. Uh-huh. Like, how do you, you know, the idea is to get a percentage of that somehow. And you change your numbers drastically. You know, you get a oh, half of a half of a percentage of that. You know, an extra hundred thousand, like, you know, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing to see how China comes into play. And this past, I think it was January, they actually did a tournament in London to try to find the best European players. Was that sponsored by uh, a big sponsor? Yeah, so they had like HyperX and you know their usual sponsors. Right. But essentially, the two K League hosted it, invited I think you know twenty or twenty five of the best European players to compete in this tournament, and a bunch of the team scouts flew over to watch, and you know the winning team, their MVP was in the draft pool, and you know it really gave them an opportunity to scout these players and see what they're like on the stage and in this competitive environment. 
Now, is the draft similar to like the regular "quote unquote" NBA draft, where the teams that finish on the on the lower end will get to get the first pick? Yep, same thing. They did a lottery with you know the, to see who gets the first pick, and you know for the top ten, the same as the NBA, and you know they have a whole combine process where you you go through it and you and based on what your statistics are, you make it to the final draft pool, uh-huh. and then you get interviewed by all the teams, and then it's like an actual draft where like. You know, the first season was at Madison Square Garden. This past season was at the Barclays Center. And it was like, you know, the first pick in the, you know, by Utah Jazz. And the kid comes up on the stage and shakes the hand like the commissioner. And, really? And, yeah, and it's like. So they run, basically, they're mimicking the NBA and what they've done over the years. And season one, Adam Silver actually read the first pick. So he came to read, you know, like officially, like, you know, first pick of the first season. First round. Who was that? It was Dimes. That boy Dimes by the Mavs. Was is he good? He's good. He, I mean, they call him the LeBron James of two K. I'm sure there's some people that would, you know, dispute that, but you know, he definitely is good. Oh, wow. I, again, I'm in the real basketball world, quote unquote, traditional. I've never heard of him. Well, you know, this is why I'm here with you. Uh, yeah, Zach. I don't think that he's made a mark in the mainstream basketball world. Uh huh. But you know, who knows? I think that that's another thing that the league is going to look at is how do you get traditional basketball fans or maybe people like maybe you and some other people that we play the basketball game. Like right. I've always played 2K with me and my friends. Maybe not on the competitive level that these kids are at, right. but like we always load up and, you know, whatever it is, you always get the new 2K. Which brings me to um, one of my favorite shows of all time is um, Ballers on The Rock. And that's why I really got exposed to it. And I mentioned it earlier off camera. Um, the uh, Terrell uh, Suggs, right? Was it? Was it him? Well, I think Vernon Carey. Vernon Carey. His um, his character was going to. He threatened his friend that he was going to leave football to become an esports guy. He had his own team and everything like that. Is that traditional? Or is that just like I something? Mean, that, funny like, that you say that. Actually, yesterday Jay Ajay, the running former running back for the Eagles, Eagles yeah. just announced that he's going to be leaving football to be a professional gamer for. Philadelphia Fusion team. No, he's going to be a gamer itself or the owner of the team. No, like a gamer. Like what, like what you were saying Vernon wow, was wow. saying where like he was not, you know, obviously he kind of got signed at the end of the year so he's near the end of his playing days right. but essentially he's going to start training and pursuing to be a professional gamer. Wow. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I hear Gordon Hayward's amazing. Really? Like, like he could probably be a professional gamer if he wanted he had enough time when he was injured like two years ago. Yeah, and, you know, and like that's all he does in his free time. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think that it's just going to continue to evolve that way where, you know, maybe you blow out your knee and you can't play anymore, but you still have these really great motor skills and this right. high IQ. Right. And it's funny, a bunch of the players in the actual 2K league, you know, are former AAU or college recruits who, you know, blew out their knee or had some catastrophic injury where they just can't play anymore. Uh-huh. But, you know, they're still athletic and they still have this really high IQ and competitive nature. And, you know, if you go to the league, you can see it. Like, there's a lot of trash talking. Like, they really kind of get bark at each other from across the room. And it gets intense. Like, there was a fight last year. Really? Like, straight up after after the fight, I mean, it was on Bleacher Report and, you know, Barstool Sports. Everyone picked up on it. Like, when they went to shake hands, like... One kid, like, wouldn't shake his hand, so one kid pushed him, and it just turned into, like, kind of like a Mila. And, like, I was there live, so, like, after the camera panned off, it was still going on in the corner. Like, they're, like, holding this kid back and stuff, and I'm like, 
video game. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> not that serious. And because, like, what was happening is, like, one kid from the crowd was, like, chirping and taunting the kid uh-huh. all game. Uh-huh. So he just kind of was at, got yeah, in his head, which goes back to the original point of the mental coaches. Like, one of the hardest things is being able to kind of keep that mental edge and to keep your head in the game when maybe things aren't going so well right. or, you know, you're getting blown out and you got to keep your cool because you're a professional now. If you're getting blown out in your basement, Maybe you're throwing the controller yeah, 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 or you're just yeah, quitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that when you're getting a check from the NBA. That's crazy because um, the same thing happens in real traditional. People yeah. get in your head and they just mess your, mess your whole game. Yeah. That's Pat Beverly's whole life. <laughs> uh, that's what he does for a living. Right, and Bruce Bowen. Oh, oh, yeah, Bruce Bowen. Those, all those Ron Artest, those cerebral guys. All those defensive stoppers. Um, so what's next for you as far as your business is concerned in helping the esports or sportsers? I'm really kind of focused on the educational side of esports and trying to help, you know, the next generation, the youth, the high school and the college development. There's mm-hmm. a whole huge college scene that's been sprouting up and, you know, schools are starting to really take it seriously and see it as a unique way to maybe entice kids. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we have a world class esports program or we have these classes on it and you know, they've been mentioning that when they go to these college fairs, a lot of kids have been asking, oh, do you offer this kind of stuff? Like, do you think this is going to be something you're going to offer? No, I can attest to that because during my research part, I end up in a rabbit hole. You know, once you're on Twitter and or um, yeah, Instagram, the is great. you end up in a rabbit hole. I'm seeing colleges having esports teams, whether Stanford has a pretty good esports team. I think um, um, Michigan has a pretty all the. I, I'm not going to say all the big schools, but yeah. most of the big schools have those type of programs. And the, the, the kids are taking it just as serious as traditional, and they're really going hard. And, I, and that's a great ploy for colleges to attract more players and also students to the school. Yeah, and it also gives you the opportunity to kind of continue to build your brand. Like, I know I just saw that University of Oklahoma has, like, a shoutcasting program. Like, they're teaching people how to be announcers for video games. Like, specifically, that is a program that exists at a Big 12 major school. Where you can go to become a shoutcaster, which is like the specific, it's like kind of the color commentator for esports. And, you know, they're shouting on the mic is kind of the concept. Now, if I look at you crazy, it's because I've never heard that in my life. I mean, I just stumbled onto this last week and I was just blown. My mind was blown that a university of that caliber sees this for what it could really be right. and understands that maybe right now it's just kind of developing but five years from now when all of these kids have grown up with esports and Fortnite and right. Twitch as part of their everyday life it's going to be part of it which is a good segue because recently I looked at the NBA traditional all-star um, ballots and Luca and players that have a big younger person presence they're actually winning as far as the votes are concerned right now. Luca's number one right now. Um, Giannis is number two. And then LeBron, who's um, old school now, right? At 35, he's old school. Those guys are trumping all the other players because they're getting a lot of online votes. And as you grow up, the esports people are going to grow up also. And they're going to be the ones that actually play basketball and, and traditional sports, for lack of a better phrase. Is that is that the move? Like, is your demographic in the 18? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, middle school, high school age is like a sweet spot. You know, that's when you're you're really still kind of within your, you know, friends. And you don't have some of like, you know, when you get 18 in college, you're older, you maybe 
frat parties, club, yeah. party, you know, like like your social exactly your yeah. social calendar kind of changes a little bit. But you know, I remember when I was in middle school, like friends would come over and you would just play Madden or two K all night till you go to sleep. Yeah. Then you would wake up and you yeah. know that's what Repeat. you would do exactly. Right. <laughs> and I think that that's really the norm for you know most of the kids growing up today. Like if you look in any restaurant or in any train, like all you see is kids in an iPad in a phone, like. And I'm pretty sure almost every parent just puts an iPad in front of their kid. This is the new uh, 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 babysitter. Yeah, exactly. Like, here, let's watch your movie yeah, or your yeah, show. Yeah, babysitter. And, you know, 40 minutes later, they're still staring at the screen. Yeah, they're getting mad at you for taking it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's going to be something where maybe for me and you, watching people play video games is a hard concept to grasp. But, you know, I kind of analogy to when I used to go to like GameStop to buy the like how to beat Mario 64 books you know uh-huh. like like or you know Game Genie on like do the codes well now you go to YouTube <laughs> to figure out how to do the dribble moves you know or how to beat a boss that you can't beat in a game or that was me I took the Tekken book I was a big Tekken guy yeah so PlayStation like, like one though like like yeah I was just around for all that ago. you know I went from Nintendo to Sega uh-huh. to yeah, N64 so uh-huh. And it's like, this is where it is, where, like, if you want to learn how to play with a character, like, with 2K, they're always, like, release these new cards in my team. So, you know, gamers always put up, like, gameplay clips where you're seeing their different moves and their dribble moves. Wow. And, you know, how to actually use these different characters properly. Wow. I, again, I'm bewildered because it's so much beyond me, my scope, and I'm happy to actually get into that scope because it's something big. And I, and I see it also, and I'm old. I'm two billion years old. Well, you're in, t- you're in touch with what's going on <laughs> in the pulse of the society. Go, the society, and um, particularly when it you know, involves New York. I'm big into New York, represent New York. Well, we're here in the New York City area. You, you represented Dave? No, we had a client that did a remix, an official remix of it. So nowadays, they just kind of, you know, group streams, downloads, anything related in one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mama. Exactly. Two million sold. Yeah, so, it's a good one. Yeah, well, Thank you for having us in your office. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to get back to this, and then um, hopefully we're going to reconvene in three or four years when esports is really taking over. Right, uh, when mainstream. the 2K League finals at the Garden, packed house. I can envision that, seriously. That, that's going to be fun, actually. Because it, it's going to be fun for me, looking like, like I am right now. Like, really, like, really, this is going on right now at the Garden? I was, when I first went to, like, the event, it's, that was just, like, just blew my mind, like, I was scrolling through channels one Saturday, and like I see on TBS, Ely, uh-huh. I click on it, and it's like kids are playing Street Fighter for $250,000, right? Like a quarter million dollars for Street Fighter? Like the game they used to play for a quarter at the Ooh. arcade? Ooh. And it's just kind of like, like you said, I, got, I went down the rabbit hole and really started to explore what this is. Yeah. Like, how can you afford to give away so much money? And then when you start seeing the brands behind it and, you know, some of the investors and the level of investment, you know, you start to really understand that, wow, these smart billionaires are spending millions of dollars on this. Right. And they obviously have the smart people in their corner that are advising them on this. So they see the, 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 the profit margins and the futures in, within the business in of itself. Exactly. So if they're on to it, like yeah. I got in... You know, I'm definitely gonna follow their lead. <laughs> I'm no dummy. Exactly. How, how, how hard? How, uh, I know we supposed to end it, but how hard was it for you to convince your father, who's old school like me, to to get into this realm? He actually kind of gets it. Really? You know, like he's 
always been involved in like you know hip hop when it was starting. Uh-huh. And, you know, like we had one of the first computer games you represented. So like, you know, he had one of the first websites. Like, so like we have always really kind of known technology and you know the internet and these new digital communications were going to be the future. And then when I started to show him the numbers, right. you just. You know, you can't really argue with that. At first, he's like, he's like, yeah, look, Dad, look. Well, you know, I always played video games right, and whatever, like, and you know, so you look at it from it. that way. But then when you see, you know, the guy who won the Fortnite solo made three million dollars. A sixteen-year-old became a multimillionaire overnight for playing Fortnite. Wow! Right? Like, imagine being sixteen and just getting three million dollars. Wow! Like, like I couldn't imagine how life would be different. Wow. If you just had that. Now, do they, because they're, they're big on YouTube also, do they still get, they make a lot of money from YouTube and the views? Yeah, I mean, if you're a, a streamer that gets thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views, you're making, you know, pretty nice income. Steady, that's steady. Yeah, that's steady. But you got to post all the time. Yeah, right? no, you have to be consistent. Most of these guys are streaming probably every day for, you know, they till when they wake up to when they go to sleep. So it's like a full-time job uh-huh. to be a streamer. Wow. I don't know if I have the um, intestinal fortitude. I mean, but then again, it's like you're playing 2K for six hours, like, and you're making money for it, right? Like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes better than reading contracts. <laughs> oh, I can imagine that must be hell. Um, but anyway, I'm here with Just. We're gonna call you Just for today, all right? Just, why Just? Uh, just check and um, check them out. What's your socials? Follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q. Check out JacobsonFirm.com and. You know, we have lots of informative articles if you want to learn some more about the esports biz and, you know, any of the other stuff that we do. Uh-huh. And, yeah, my DMs are open, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Here we go. Um, this has been another episode of the Mecca Podcast, esports edition. Um, hopefully you guys learned something, because um, I definitely did. Um, peace out. We out. Peace.